0: Welcome back to I'm Open. The NFL just had its first virtual Zoom draft ever, including virtual hugs, controversial photo bombs, and puppies. And find out why you should feel flattered if you get fired or dumped. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. Welcome back. I'm Open Family. We are taking a brief break from our March Madness Tournament of Champion Power Couples Battle of the Power Couples in Quarantine Madness this week to check in on what is going on in the world of sports. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, but nothing is going on in the world. We're all locked down. We're all sheltered in place. How could there possibly be anything new to report or talk about? Well, that's why this is the I'm Open Podcast. We stay open. We find you whatever nuggets, whatever little pieces of, of gold. And it might be fool, fool's gold, but whatever we can find out there, we find it. We bring it back for you and we polish it right up so you can enjoy it and be entertained. Hopefully, we're going to do that today. We've got a lot to cover and a lot to go over, surprisingly. But the world continues turning even though we're all stuck inside and there still has been a lot of action In the NFL. Now, we've seen players changing teams. We mentioned that it was a historic day earlier on in our quarantine when it seemed like a lot of the GMs around the league went stir crazy and just started trading all of their players in a sort of unprecedented streak of trades that we've never really seen before in the NFL. So one of the guys, sadly, who got left without a chair in this whole game of musical chairs of players switching teams and moving cities was our guy, Jameis Winston, famous Jameis. Now, we've talked about Jameis a lot of times on this show, He's won some awards. He's won the Mask Off Award, I believe, before. Um, he's made history this past season by becoming the first quarterback ever to throw for more than 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. He also led the league in passing yards. He's also just supremely confident. When you have a nickname, Famous Jameis, and I don't want to go too deep into it, but for folks who might be new, I'm Open family members who don't know the backstory, don't know why we keep talking about Jameis. He's an interesting cat. He's an interesting character, right? His name has been Famous Jameis since he was a teenager. He was a super, super duper star at Florida State. He had a motivational speech last year where he talked about eating a W, where he made his fingers in the shape of a W, and he literally sucked on all of them as a metaphor for devouring a win that day. He also got in trouble for stealing crab legs when he was in college, but he didn't get actually get in trouble for it because he was too famous at the time. That's why he's called Famous Jameis. He has also uh, been known to say, I could have played worse at one point this season when he had a terrible game. And then his coach even said, if we could win with Jameis, we could win with anybody. So this guy has been in the news. This guy has been in the I'm Open podcast. He's given us a lot to talk about, which we're thankful for. And, you know, Jameis reminds me of just planting a beautiful apple tree in your yard because he is the gift that keeps on giving every single year and every single season. Luscious, luscious, delicious, crunchy fruits. So thank you, Jameis, because now we got another one. Jameis has just been replaced in Tampa Bay by Tom Brady. After head coach Bruce Arians said... In the press conference that we mentioned, if I can win with Jameis, I can win with anybody. He didn't just give just anybody. He got a contender in our March Madness Celebrity Smackdown showdown of the Celebrity Power Couples Madness. A contender in that bracket, Tom Brady, is now the quarterback in Tampa Bay. He's now quarantined at St. Jetersburg, Derek Jeter's giant mansion in Florida. Derek Jeter, baseball superstar, is Tom Brady's landlord. Tom has replaced Jameis in Tampa in the starting lineup in the pewter and dark red. So Jameis, he's left without a dancing partner. He's left without a team. But just like the Jameis we love, this man is always supremely confident. He He throws five interceptions in one game. He says it could have been worse. He's always confident. He always Is ready to play, he's always ready to go, and he's never going to doubt himself. And he took this benching, and it's not even a benching because he's not on the team anymore. Um, But he took this replacement in the best way I think anybody really ever could have. Because Jameis, he's not upset, he's not salty, he's not holding a grudge. No, Jameis is actually flattered. Thank you very much. Jameis is flattered that he has been replaced as quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the man couldn't be happier. And that's why we always go back to Jameis. We love him. He's got his ups. He's got his downs. All right. He's got his, you know, issues, bumps and ridges, as we all do. But his supreme confidence in all moments is just intriguing to behold, He appeared on a local Fox News station, and even though the interview was about the current COVID situation and what Jameis is trying to do to make a positive impact in the community, the uh, reporter still asked Jameis about his time in Tampa and leaving Tampa. And Jameis said, one thing about Tom Brady is it's understood he is the GOAT. And if you don't understand what GOAT uh, means, I'm open family members because we never want to assume... Uh, he does not think Tom Brady is an animal, uh, a farm animal. GOAT stands for greatest of all time. It's an acronym. So this is Jameis said, one thing about Tom Brady, it's understood that he's the GOAT. For, for you to get replaced by Tom Brady in a city that loves you so much, I guess that's kudos for me. At the end of the day, it's a competitive sport. This unending fountain and vein of confidence, of swagger from which Jameis just seems to always be able to drink is something that we love to just watch and talk about. He said, for the city that loves me so much, he's not waiting for somebody to come out and say, hey, Jameis, the city of Tampa loves you. We miss you. He's coming out on himself and saying, you know, it's pretty wild because these guys love me. So they really must, I mean, look, these guys love me a lot. So if they're going to replace me, it must be a big deal. So this is awesome. Like he just, his confidence is still not shaken. And maybe this is just a show. Maybe this is just an act But I don't know. It seems like Jameis really is this confident when you see him in interviews, when you see him talk. And and he just takes it as, if you're going to replace me with Tom Brady, I know you guys love me a lot. These people love me so much. So if they're going to replace me with Tom Brady, that must be a huge compliment that Tom Brady's the best ever. So I must be like the second best ever. That seems like his logic. If only we could all have the same confidence and the same self-belief that Jameis has. And the next time you get dumped, the next time you get fired, the next time your friend stands you up when you're supposed to go out on a bike ride together, why don't you be flattered? Why don't you be complimented? Because, I mean, there had to be something crazy. There had to be something really special, iconic, once in a lifetime to do. Because cause they love you already so much. Uh, so let's just assume, like Jameis assumes, that everybody loves us. That we're the best, no matter what. And I think we can all take just a little hint of that. Meanwhile, down in Tampa Bay, Jameis is out, Brady is in, and Brady has brought along with him his buddy, his old pal, from his days in New England, Rob Gronkowski. Now, the Gronkowski brothers are almost, it almost seems fake to just look at them. They're about nine giant meathead white brothers. Their last name is literally Gronkowski, uh, and they're all just have one syllable like Rob, Luke, Hank, Tom, white names. They're a bunch of big meaty white guys. They all played football, and Rob Gronkowski was the most famous and the best um, of his family members. He has he retired last season after a long career with the Patriots, and he was starting to set his sights on the WWE, actually appearing, I believe, in SmackDown. Don't get me in trouble if it wasn't SmackDown, might have been SummerSlam or some other thing. I'm not exactly sure what event it was. I do know for sure Rob Gronkowski has appeared in WWE events, and it seemed like he was taking that turn to being a WWE star rather than being an NFL football star. But now that his buddy Tom Brady is out from under the iron grip of Bill Belichick, now that he's left New England. Now, I know for for the I'm Open family members out there, you might be wondering and thinking, well, the Patriots, they always seem to win. Everybody hates them because they're the best. So wouldn't you kind of want to stay there? But if you haven't heard, the coach around there is kind of a no fun, lots of rules type of guy. Very, very serious. And Gronk, big Gronk, as they call him, Rob Gronkowski, he loves to joke, he started his own kind of like celebrity cruise situation uh last off-season, uh, which was like a Gronk rave boat, he's kind of like the football version of Shaq, I guess, just a big old goofball, who just loves to do jokes and just silly stuff, dance around, take his shirt off, make funny faces, Slam, Coors lights, uh, things like that. So I don't know if it's kind of surprising that he lasted in New England that long with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, such a strict guy, but he did. And now he retired, but I think he's like, wow, my buddy's down in Florida. Weather's nice down there. It's very easy to get to my Gronk boat cruise, bro, rave. And big one, Coach Belichick isn't there anymore. So now we're in charge. I'm sure Brady was like texting him like, yo man, we're out from Belichick. I'm in charge now, man. I got my own team. Come down here. You can do whatever you want. You can fucking sleep on your rave bro cruise if you even, if you want to. I don't really care. You can keep WWE wrestling on the weekends or not weekends, but maybe Saturdays if the game's on Sunday. I don't care, man. Come down here. Link up with me. It's my team now. So, I mean, who knows who else might join? People are wondering if little Julian Edelman might, might go down and join in Tampa. Um, who knows, right? They're all buddies, Tom Brady. I mean, all the white guys on the Patriots were, were boys, right? So I'm sure all the other different white guys, Tom Brady knows he's going to be hitting them up. Going to be trying to bring them down from New England down to Tampa. Um, and it seems like he's trying to get the gang back together so far. He's got him. He's got Gronk. They were looking goofy. They were taking selfies, showing like, hey, we're back. Look who's back. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We've got the boys back in town. They're both... Older, they've kind of had their best years behind them, but it'll be definitely interesting to see now without the strict, strict, rigid coaching that these guys just get to have fun. What are they going to do down in Tampa Bay? Brady and Gronk reunited. Now, I believe the first time Rob Gronkowski was uh, appeared on the show, appeared on the I'm Open podcast, was when he was the spokesman for Tide. And of course, this was uh, during the whole Tide Pod challenge debacle, where for some reason people thought you were supposed to eat uh, laundry detergent, and uh, it became a whole viral thing, it was very unhealthy, and Tide had to go out and ask Gronk to please explain to people not to eat Tide Pods, and he made a whole silly video saying like, no, 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 don't eat Tide Pods. I'm sorry, that's just kind of how he talks. Um, not trying to be rude. That's just kind of how, how Gronk talks. So that's the last time he really popped in. And it's just crazy full circle for me that Gronk is back in the news. He told us not to eat Tide Pods just this past week. We've had a gentleman who is president of the United States who has told people to inject bleach into their bloodstream. Please do not do that. I don't think you need to get your medical expertise here from the I'm Open podcast, but our ban on eating Tide Pods remains intact, as it was last year, we're adding to that ban, injecting or ingesting any sort of bleach also goes along with the Tide Pods, we might need to have Gronk come back out and do another little Gronk video and be like, no, 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 So the meatheads who actually think that you're supposed to put these things into your body uh, can kind of have somebody who can translate and speak to them on their same level uh, might be helpful. So Gronk, glad to have you back. And uh, get to work, buddy boy. Get to work. You're listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to give us a rating. Write us a review and tell a friend to listen to the show. So now that Tom and Gronk are down in Tampa, they might feel like it's their team. They might feel like they're running the show, but they still can't compete with my guy, LaMelo Ball, the baby baller of the Big Baller brand, the smallest and youngest of the brothers who looks like he actually might be the best baller of all the Big Baller brothers. Now, if you followed all those balls and brothers and, 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 and B-words... Let's ride. And if you didn't, it's all right, because we're talking about LaMelo Ball. He's the youngest of the big baller brand BBB. We have talked about them going back probably to episode one of this fine podcast. Lavar Ball, their father, built a whole hype machine around his three sons, his three young at the time sons who were still in high school, Lonzo, LaMelo, and LiAngelo Ball. Now, Lonzo went to UCLA the Leangelo then went to UCLA, but he got arrested on a trip to China when they were doing like a basketball field trip for for shipl- uh, for shoplifting. He got arrested, ended up going to prison in China. Donald Trump actually had to intervene to get Leangelo and a couple of guys back out of prison. He ended up getting in China. He had, he, had, he ended up getting brought back to the U.S. It became a whole diplomatic thing. He got suspended by UCLA. Lavar, his dad, wasn't happy about them. Removed him from school in UCLA. Then Leangelo and Lamelo uh, were actually removed from their high school because he didn't get along with the high school coach. Uh, Leangelo couldn't even be in high school anymore because he's a freshman at UCLA. But he got suspended for the shoplifting in China thing. So their dad, Lavar, found a team in Lithuania that was willing to take them for about a season, with the condition that he could be an assistant, sort of special figurehead coach. For the team. So the three guys, they go over to Lithuania. They join a team in Lithuania. I think it's called Vitatus or something like that. I might, uh, I might have been wrong about that. And I'm, I'm sorry. My Lithuanian, my, my knowledge of the Lithuanian league has been dropping lately, but, um, they played all over in Lithuania for a season. Leangelo comes back Lamelo. then it's his turn to decide if he wants to go to college but he can't really go to college because he's already played professionally in lithuania so instead he decided to go forgo college and to go play in the australian basketball league known as the nbl national basketball league so i need to catch my breath that's kind of where the story brought us with this family um and there's been a lot of twists and turns Um, Lonzo, the oldest, was a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, along with LeBron James, before he was traded for Anthony Davis to the New Orleans Pelicans. He's currently a member of the Pelicans, along with the young chosen one who was promised Zion Williamson. Uh, who knows when we'll get to see Zion and Lonzo in action again in New Orleans. But let's check back in with LaMelo Ball, and why are we talking about the young ball brother? Now, as I mentioned, There's a good chance now a lot of people think he might be the best of all the Ball brothers. He's the youngest. He's been playing high school basketball since he was like 11 years old with his older brothers, which at the time must have been extremely annoying for their other teammates. But he's good, and it allowed him to really develop at a crazy quick level. He played this past season in Australia, and he played great. Now, granted, Australia does not have the best basketball league in the world. Okay, best basketball league in the entire world is... The United States, obviously the NBA. Next level of competition is probably the Spanish basketball league. It's the ACB league. It's a really good, really good high-level basketball. Barcelona, Madrid, some of these t- same teams you may have heard of soccer, superstar, big powerhouse teams. They have pretty awesome basketball programs as well. Then you look at the NBA G League, which is like a minor league of of basketball. NCAA CAA basketball, which is college basketball, those are probably about a tier below. It's kind of similar level. Uh, G League might be a little bit higher. And then you have other leagues. The French League is probably up next in terms of quality of level. And then you have Australian League coming in around there. So it's not best league in the world, but it's, you know, it's a respectable league. There's been guys who have played in the Australian League who have come over to the NBA before. And LaMelo, he went over to join the Illawarra Hawks, and he played great in his stint over there in Australia. Now, now he was only able to play 13 games before his season was cut short by injury. But at the time, he was averaging 17 points, almost 7 assists, almost 8 rebounds a game. For our new basketball fans in the I'm Open family, that's really good. Especially for a young guy only about 17, 18 years old who should have just been a freshman in college at the time playing against grown men. They might have been Australian men, sure, but they're still grown men and they're still professional basketball players. So obviously, LaMelo really enjoyed his time in Australia, in the NBL, playing with the Illawarra Hawks. Earlier uh, this year, which now seems like decades ago, we had the whole crisis with the forest fires going on in Australia. And for somebody who has sort of gotten the reputation of being selfish or just in it for the instagram likes or or whatever. LaMelo really displayed some selflessness and some generosity in that moment donating a big part of his salary to fighting those uh, forest fires in Australia. And now at the end of the season, the Illawarra Hawks, his team that is his adopted team that had taken LaMelo for that for that one year, they were having a lot of financial trouble and they weren't sure what they were going to do with the team at the end of this season. But when he found out about it, LaMelo decided he wanted to step in. He wanted to help out. So what he actually decided to do, LaMelo, he bought the team. I'm not even joking. Now, you might know 18-year-old kids who have their own albums or who are great athletes. But I don't think you know many who own their own teams. And that's what LaMelo decided to do. It's a huge power move, but he was worried about his team. We saw they were having a lot of financial trouble. He knows he's about to be a huge superstar in the NBA. He wasn't playing in Australia because he wasn't good enough. He was playing because, based on eligibility rules, he wasn't allowed to play in college last season. But he knows he's good enough to be in the NBA. He knows it's going to be a good investment in the long run. And the fact that the team is going to have a celebrity owner like himself might allow him to actually recruit other really good players to come play for Illawarra, even if it's only one season like Lamelo did, just for guys who are maybe transitioning between high school and the pros and want an alternative to college, just like Lamelo did. So I just think this is an awesome power move by Lamelo. He's already been on the podcast like 20 times. He has not even become a pre- professional Athlete, well, he has become a professional athlete. Let me bite my tongue there, but he hasn't even reached the NBA yet. He hasn't even reached the NBA draft yet. And we're also, we're, I've already talked about LaMelo many a time. But it's a pretty awesome power move for a young guy, only 18 years old. And this is with the help of a friend. Uh, Jermaine Jackson, who was a player, he he played a couple times in the NBA and he played for a while in Australia. And so he was kind of a friend and advisor to LaMelo and kind of helping set that deal up. In other NBA players have also invested in other NBL teams, other Australian professional basketball teams. LaMelo isn't the first American athlete to do it. He's just the first one who who's this young, right? The other guys who, in, who have invested in Australian professional teams have been retired guys, guys who are looking at it as an investment after they retire. Lamello's looking at it as an investment right now, as an 18-year-old, which is really smart. I didn't really have money to invest at 18, but I also didn't know the first thing about investing, wasn't thinking about investing at all. So it's great that Lamello's already thinking about investing, Business, building up his business acumen and also giving back to the city of Illawarra, the people of Illawarra and the Illawarra basketball team that welcomed him so kindly. They loved having him on the team and he wants to make sure that the team keeps doing well and team keeps building off what they did this year. So shout out to Lamello. He isn't even in the NBA yet, but he already owns his own basketball team, and that's pretty wild. All the guys we used to mess around with, his teammates who he used to play with, who probably used to play pranks on each other and goof around, now he can literally say, I sign your paycheck, I own the whole team. It's a pretty ultimate power move by LaMelo Bob. I'm open family. Just this past weekend, we had the NFL draft. Now, this is something I've personally been looking forward to because it's really the only sports event of note that's gone on in the last couple months. We're missing sports. Obviously, we can't have a lot of live action going on. But one thing that what did still happen was the draft. And this is when each NFL team, each football team gets the chance to choose players from college to join their team. It's like a massive, you know, recruitment from college to your professional career. And each team on average gets about seven or eight picks. Um, Some teams have more. I think the team with the most picks this year was the Minnesota Vikings. They actually had 15 picks. So you can have more picks um, if you trade your players for picks, for example. And there's also a way to get I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but there's also a way to get extra compensatory picks. For example, if you have a really good player on your team, leave and join another team, you might get a third or fourth round pick back um, basically to, to, to compensate your team for the loss of that player, that talent. That's why it's called a compensatory pick. Anyway, we don't need to get into that stuff, but this is the first ever virtual draft ever for the NFL. Obviously, that seems like uh, something we all would have assumed. They thought about, I'm sure, canceling it. A lot of people said they should cancel it. Originally, the draft was supposed to be in Las Vegas, which we were excited about. They said there was going to be floats to carry the players out to the red carpet across the Bellagio Fountain. It was going to be the craziest, biggest draft spectacle ever, and we were definitely looking forward to it though we were wondering how the little gondola boats might be able to hold up some of these guys like Makai Becton, who are 375 pounds, but I'm sure the NFL engineers and events team were working hard day and night figuring that out. But we never even got the chance to see the logistics of the little draft gondolas on the Bellagio fountain, because the draft was a Zoom draft. Now, shout out to the NFL, because I... I thought there were going to be some major disasters here in the Zoom draft. I assumed we were going to be having one person try to call in and the other person couldn't call in at the same time. Somebody forgets their password. Somebody accidentally butt dials the wrong person. But for the most part, everybody really handled it well. It seemed like most of the teams really were ready to go, had their technology in place and were not flustered by the process. Now, I was a bit concerned, I have to admit, when the, the afternoon of the draft, prior to it starting, the NFL showed everybody's kind of draft headquarters set up in their homes, working from home. And my team, the New York Giants, their draft headquarters made me a little nervous. They only had one monitor set up. Now, I'm not trying to be a monitor snob here. But it is nice to have a, a dual monitor setup when you're working. It helps helps get stuff done, organize things. And when you're talking, these are huge NFL corporate businesses. Okay. This isn't like a, your friend's fantasy football league. This is a billion, multi-billion dollar corporation. When you look at all the other te- teams, they had plasma screens glued to every wall, phones everywhere, iPads everywhere. The Giants had all these binders. I like the binders. I like the, I'm an old school guy too. I like the feel of like actual paper flipping through a binder. But in these drafts, sometimes you only have five minutes to get your pick in. And I don't want old old Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, flipping through a binder left and right, trying to find the tab with the last names that start with the letter P when you can just type the P, you know, the, the the search function and look for the letter P on your computer and get to it way faster. So I start having these pangs in my stomach. The, I mean, I can just picture it right now. The Giants are looking to draft Jabari Zuniga from Florida, and it's with a Z. And Dave Gettleman, here he goes, flipping his little fingers across his binder, flipping and flipping, trying to get all the way to the back of the page to get Zuniga to look up his phone number and his good old-fashioned Rolodex. But before he even has a chance to do that, the thing is over and the Giants just missed their pick. And it goes to the next team. I was having day nightmares about this. And I was just sure the Giants were going to botch it, especially because over and over again, Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman has talked about how stupid he thinks technology is, how stats isn't important, how he just wants some big old guys who can just go rough each other up. Who cares about analytics and all these number number mumbo jumbo that people talk about? Cause that's all a bunch of hogwash. That's basically his opinion. So now that he's actually forced to use stats and technology yeah, of course, we're concerned as Giants fans, but it seemed like, you know, despite that maybe original connectivity issue, maybe somebody else handled the draft. I'm not sure, but the Giants did not seem to have any major connectivity issues. They made some questionable moves, but you'll be happy to know for my sake, they didn't have the worst draft. They did all right. So um, I am hanging in there after the Giants draft in decent spirits. I'm sure you'll be you'll be glad to hear that. Now, the one person who was probably really happy that the draft was not in person was Commissioner Roger Goodell. Now, this guy has a very low approval rating. Basically, most people don't like him. Fans, players, not many people like the guy in football fan circles and in football circles in general. Um, other than probably the owners, which is which is good because the owners are, are the... He represents the owners in sort of labor negotiations and everything. So it's probably good that the owners do like him. But every single draft, Roger Goodell is used to going out there on stage and getting booed and booed and booed. Every single time he goes out, all of the players... Excuse me. The players don't boo him. Every single time he goes out on stage, all of the fans on site generally just boo and boo and boo over and over again. Well... This year, there wasn't an audience, so obviously that wasn't an option, but there must have been some sort of a PR firm that the NFL hired. Smart move by them. They actually had people booing Goodell if, in his own, from his own living room on video. Good idea, because I think they're like, everybody hates him, let's just lean into it, but it's almost a little too corny, like you don't want them kissing up to you. It almost makes you not like them even more. Um... And I, I don't know if that one really paid off, but I see the angle they were going for there. I think Goodell's just glad he didn't have to be in person with a big audience. But you're not really going to trick us with the boos here into thinking you're on our side just because he got a couple fake boos to not boo you next time, Goodell, because people are still going to boo you. But he Goodell really, he had a weird night. He's clearly desperate to try to have people like him, try to have fans like him. He had a jug of M&M's next to him and he was making comments about how he was eating so many M&M's from his jar. Which he either did eat a lot of M&M's or just like dumped out a whole jar of them into you know, into the trash. Because the jar was going down as we went. And he was making little jokes, little comments to the different people. And they had fans from each team who would like zoom in during their team's pick. And then he'd just basically like, Come on, Chargers fans, cheer! Cheer! And then the fans would be on little Zoom screens like... Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was basically it. You would hear fans basically cheering in the background, um, kind of non-distinct thing. They'd be waving signs and, and foam fingers, etc. So normally during the draft, players who get drafted and who are there in person walk up on stage. They get to put on a hat of their new team and they like handshake the commissioner and do a little bro hug with the commissioner. Obviously, this time they were not able to do the whole bro hug. But Roger Goodell, he still wanted that moment. So when he was zooming all these guys, look, it's nice to welcome the guys into the league. You can still call them. They decided they decided to do zoom calls with the players to welcome them into the league. No, that's that's really nice to do. Um, with the thing that I think was a little over the top is Roger Goodell was doing like fake zoom hugs. With the guys. Like, he'd be like, Hey, bring it in, Tristan, bring it in. And then he, Roger Goodell, would go up towards the camera, towards his webcam, as if he was, like, hugging around it. So it would kind of look like from your other side of the screen, if you're watching him, it's kind of look like he was trying to, like, hug you through your screen. So he'd be like... <laughs> She'd be like, hey, Henry, welcome to the NFL, buddy. And he'd just kind of hug around his own webcam. And then the players would be like, yeah, cool. And then some of them would some of them clearly were confused about what he was trying to do altogether. Some of them did kind of get it and were like, yeah, hey, it's a fake hug. Yeah, good one. It was definitely like a dad joke type of thing, definitely corny. Um, But Roger Goodell was just desperate to try to get some likes, get some smiles there during the draft. Jerry Judy, who was uh, dropped to the Denver Broncos, a lot of people thought he might be the first receiver taken a very high pick from the University of Alabama. He was a very high pick, not quite as high though as folks expected, and he ended up dropping to the Denver Broncos and looks like it's going to add a high-powered tool for that offense, for that young offense. That, I know, is exciting. Sorry for all that uh, strategic talk to, to my I'm Open family members who might not give a shit about the Denver Broncos. We're moving on here. Jerry Judy, what he did, he was so excited. He had Roger Goodell dance with him. He had Roger Goodell do a TikTok dance with him. The whole Drake song where it's like right foot up, left foot slide, left foot. You know what I'm talking about. And if you do know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to keep singing it because that's not going to help you know what it is. But if you know the right foot up, left foot slide song by Drake that is viral on TikTok right now, that is what Jerry Judy did. He got Roger Goodell to do it with him. Roger Goodell looked like an absolute doofus, but he did it. He's desperate. Look, all right, maybe the old players don't like me. Maybe Tom Brady hates me now because I I tried to get him in trouble for deflating these footballs, but at least Jerry Judy, at least these young cats, these 20, 21, 22-year-old guys coming into the league, maybe they'll like me. Maybe they'll like me if I dance with them. It's such a desperate, trying-to-be-a-cool-dad type of move. You got to hand it to Roger for trying. It has to be exhausting being on Zoom nonstop. Now, even though it's 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 the main audience who would have been there would have been booing with him, it still is nice to sort of have some, some feedback, some give and take with the audience to know when you should pause for effect, uh, speak louder, speak slower, etc. It is nice to have a give and take with the audience. So I'm sure it was hard for Roger Goodell to do that whole uh, Zoom draft, just like with his wife watching him and like a couple guys from the NFL tech office, you know, watching him as well. Now, who won the draft? It might have been Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. And Jerry's a controversial figure. Some folks might not like to hear that, but Jerry was drafting from his mega yacht. And I kid you not, when I say that Jerry's yacht looked way nicer than a lot of these other guys, a lot of his competitors, homes. His boat looked like it could fit their their entire house inside of it. I mean, it was a big old yacht. He was so excited because C.D. Lamb, Sedarian Lamb, fell all the way to the Dallas Cowboys, a superstar wide receiver out of the University of Oklahoma, that will be coming to join Dallas' offense. So Jerry looked so excited to be adding C.D. Lamb to the team. He was clapping and high-fiving on his yacht. Maybe he was just so happy he was on the yacht. And... CD, when he got called... Now, they're showing all these guys at home getting calls from their team saying, like, Hey, man, you're going to be the news member of the Dallas Cowboys, CD. Congratulations, buddy. How do you feel? And they're like... I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm so excited to be on the team. And then they do that about a hundred times to all the different guys. So they're showing that moment with uh, C.D. Lamb on the phone there. He had just picked up the phone, assuming from, from, from Dallas or his agent, letting him know he's getting drafted by Dallas. And he's got two phones, one in his right hand up to his ear, one in his left hand. And his girlfriend, who I'm assuming is his girlfriend, is sitting next to him. She goes for his other phone, his backup phone. Which he is not using, which he's just holding in his hand. She, she grabs the phone and she goes to look at it. Immediately, CD with just quick, quick reflex snags the phone right on back from her. And it was a viral moment. She grabbed the phone. He snatched it right back before she even had a chance to unlock the home screen. So Dallas, you know, Dallas like only Dallas Cowboys could, America's team, one of the most controversial teams They put him on Monday night every freaking week just cuz people like to talk about him. And here they go, two viral moments at once. Jerry Jones on his yacht, meanwhile CD Lamb snatching his secret second phone out of his girlfriend's hand while he's getting drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, 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 hey. You're still listening to I'm Open. You can follow us on Instagram at Open underscore pod and let us know what you want to hear about on our next episode. Everybody, enjoy the rest of the show. Mike Zimmer, the coach of the Minnesota Vikings... He had a whole dip packed in his lip. What He had chewing tobacco packed in his lip for the entire draft. Uh, that just kind of goes to show in his home, in his home office, he's sitting there with a big old lip of chewing tobacco in his mouth. There was a big controversy um, surrounding Mike Vrabel. Was or was his son not taking a shit in the background of the room where he was drafting? We're not sure. Now, a lot of coaches were letting their kids come in um, and join the draft room. It's kind of like a press conference after the Super Bowl or after a playoff game, where um, coaches let their kids come in and sit on their lap, or players let the players let their kids come in and sit on their lap. Um, now we've had a lot of really cute and funny moments. Steph Curry's daughter. We've had some really cute and funny moments um, with it with the kids coming out and sitting on the laps and stuff. The, the different thing about the draft and why if I was a parent, I'd be like, yeah, okay, we're not doing lap time right now, daddy's working, is because when you're doing a press conference after the game, you've already won. Great, Steph Curry, have your daughter crawling around on the table and climbing under the table making goofy faces. That's great because you already won the game or you already won the championship. You're not currently on the court. You don't see Steph Curry running around on the court with his daughter on his shoulder doing piggyback. And with these guys, it's like all these kids are in their home office. Mike Brabel, for example, of the Titans, um, Brian Flores, uh, coach of the Dolphins, his kids were in there. Um, A lot of guys had their kids in there. Uh, Matt Patricia of the Lions, I think his kids were in there. Um, Ron Rivera, he said his whole family was helping him out. His kids were in. I mean, I don't know if you're, I know you're home. And I know a lot of these kids are like, this is my viral moment where it's going to be funny. I mean, Mike Rabel's kids were like, one of them had a mullet. Another one was wearing like a weird costume that looked like a superhero. Uh, Brian Flores' kids might have been my favorite. It really reminded me of the old uh, SNL sketch, making fun of Rudy Giuliani when he became uh, mayor of New York and his son jumping on his back. If you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. You'll, You'll get a chuckle out of it. But, um, Brian Flores, he had young kids and one of his sons was just making these crazy funny faces at the camera and just pointing at the camera. Clearly he knew this is my big viral moment, but like, if you're Brian Flores, you have the number five overall pick. You're about to draft Tua Tingo Bailoa hopefully, the superstar quarterback that's going to be the foundation of your team for the next 15 years. And meanwhile, buddy boy here, one guy sitting on your lap drooling on your on your collar, and your other son is making these ridiculous faces, acting a fool, and pointing at the screen and dancing around like a little jackass, excuse my language. If I was some parent trying to draft, I would be extremely stressed out if my kids were running around. Even if you don't have young kids like Brian Flores, who it seemed like Flores was cool. It seemed like he was staying composed while he was on the screen there. But I did notice that by the time they came back around for the next Dolphins draft pick, there was nobody else in the room. Flores said, get get those kids, please, and put them to bed. Now, Vrabel, his kids look like they're like teenagers, right? So... I understand the kids want to have a funny viral moment. They want to go on. They want to get their moment. They want to get their moment on the, uh, in, in the sun here on the I'm Open podcast. And you're welcome. But daddy's working. This is extremely distracting. Now, there's been all this, this controversy. Vrabel's, at first, it's like, okay, is there actually, is Vrabel's oldest son uh, actually taking a dump in the back of the room? That's what a lot of people thought. Is he taking a dump? Is he just sitting on a chair in a way that it looks like he's sort of sitting? If he is taking a dump, why is the door open? Um, If he's not, why is he sitting in that way? Uh, Vrabel says he was just sitting on a bar stool in a manner that made it look like he was taking a dump. Why is there a toilet that high up in the air? If so, is there some sort of a perspective thing we don't understand about this? There's a lot to be cleared up. Now, one guy who clearly had his whole team pulling in the right direction and in the same direction is brand new Washington football team coach, Ron Rivera. Now, Coach Rivera, he's got a military background. He's known to be a great family man, but he's also known to not really take any guff, as they say. He doesn't really like to mess around. He's a good guy, but he's a he's a family guy, but he's not a jokey guy. He can have some nice jokes here and there, but he likes to get shit done. So he really had a military setup, like at his home. He had every he said that's what we're using here for. You know, for our family, that's the guideline we're using for our family in terms of everybody's on the same team. Everybody pitches in. Now his daughter is actually uh, in the social media marketing department for the Washington Football Team. So she actually did a little behind the scenes, showing what her dad was doing to prepare for the draft. Now. Since he can't be with the full team on the day of the draft, since he couldn't, because of the shelter-in-place going on, Rivera, he's got his own team. That's his family, and he's putting them to work. So, you know, aside from moral support and emotional support, he was focused on the screens. He was focused on his calls. He was having his wife and daughter take notes, cross off names, you know, keep track of what was going on. They were like his wing woman on that day. Other than keeping Coach Rivera fed with some delicious pancakes, his wife Stephanie has been playing a huge role in support, and he even gave her number to the NFL as his emergency contact. So this is all hands on deck here. During the draft, if for some reason Ron Rivera is maybe taking a dump at Mike Rabel's house or maybe just, who knows, leaves his phone somewhere in between the couch cushion, which I don't think he would. He's a pretty detail-oriented guy. But if he did... His wife, Stephanie, she's on call with the NFL. She's ready to rock. She's on call with the Redskins. She's the emergency contact in case anything happens. So I think that's a great example there. The Rivera family, don't let your kids and family make a viral moment, make a viral meme out of you doing your job. You're allowed to, like, you're allowed to coach your family, be in charge of your household, just like you do on your team. Don't let your kids make a fucking fool out of you just because they want their little viral moment, shaking a dump on TV or wearing some weird sort of costume, okay? You are still the adult in the house. You're allowed to say, no, no, daddy's working. We can do a funny viral TikTok dance after the draft. Right now, I'm focusing on seeing how we can trade this pickup to get another player or call, you know a player's agent, etc. So shout out to coach Rivera. Uh, we already talked about how, uh, he took the different games out of the Redskins. Uh, I'm sorry. I was trying not to say out of the Washington football racial slur teams locker room. We already talked about that and he's already got his family here in full swing, all working together for the draft. You love that start. I'm Open Family. Before we go, you know, I know, there's something we do every single time on this podcast before we say goodbye. That is to recognize our Mask Off Performer of the Week. Of course, that goes to somebody who has revealed something new about themselves, taking their mask off and shown us something new. This is in honor of and gratitude of Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask off. Fuck it, mask off. Now this week, our Mask Off Award goes to Nike. And I'm not talking about the shoe. I'm not talking about the company. I'm not talking about the shoe company. I am talking about a dog. That's Bill Belichick's dog, Nike. Now, funny that he's named his dog Nike. I'm not sure if it was a corporate gift from Nike or if he just likes is checks over stripes, that's what he likes, that's what he likes. I'm not sure why, or maybe he's just a fan of Greek mythology, I think Nike is like the god of speed or something. Who knows why the dog was named Nike, but this dog was basically representing Patriots coach Bill Belichick on his virtual draft. Now, we talked at the beginning of the episode about how Gronko, Tom Brady, they might have been a little bored. They might have felt a little repressed up in New England. No fun up there. You're not allowed to joke. You're not allowed to prank. Belichick is is so serious, and he wants everybody to be work, work, working all the time. But he kind of surprised us all this week by having his dog represent him during the draft. And I'm sure you're thinking, what What are you talking about? How could his dog represent him during the draft? Well, each team, each you know, leadership uh, member of leadership of the different teams had a live feed going on in their living room or in their uh, office, wherever they had their draft set up. Now, this seemed like a total troll to the rest of the league, just to show how much smarter Bill Belichick he thinks he is than everybody else. And how he's just on a total different level than everybody else because they're showing all these different guys. They're sitting, they're watching TV, they're taking notes, they're calling people, they're texting, they're, they're typing things, they're looking on their computer. Belichick is not even at his table. When they show Bill Belichick's house, you just see his puppy, Nike. Who's a little husky puppy. He's very, very sweet. Sitting, he actually looked like he was trained to look at the computer. I don't know if he likes scouting reports. I don't know if he likes spreadsheets, but he looks like he's looking at the computer. Bill Belichick, every once in a while, he comes wandering back into the room, gives Nike a little pet, gives him a little treat, goes back out. And this was a total troll. I love it by Belichick because he knows people are going to be looking at me. People are going to be wondering, am I calling to trade? What am I doing? What's my draft strategy? He doesn't want to show a thing. So he's like, yeah, this is my strategy. My dog does the whole thing for me. Now he's probably in the other room making calls. He's probably got a whole nother computer in the other room. He's just leaving his dog as a decoy. Meanwhile, everybody's saying, oh, how cute is this? Belichick's not worried about it. I'm sure he was worried about it. I'm sure he was in the other room making calls. But e- maybe not email. I guess you probably don't have time. But I'm sure he's he's talking to his team, looking over scouting reports, figuring out who he can trade up and draft, talking to players, talking to agents. But to the public eye, when you go to the home, when you go to the home of Bill Belichick, the office of Bill Belichick on ESPN, all you just see is his little puppy Nike just sitting at the table. It was very cute. It was a big dent in the whole idea that everybody, including myself, liked to put out there that Belichick is boring and no fun. And it seemed like he kind of knows that's true. So he was like, well, how about this puppy? You think this isn't fun? And then also just to show everybody, oh, you really think I'm stupid enough to show you what I'm doing on the day of the draft? I mean, another team for one of the general managers, I'm not even lying. The guy didn't even notice. You could notice from TV that on the window behind the coach or the general manager, there was a glare, a reflection of his computer monitor. Now, Belichick, he would never let anything like this happen. He would never even dare show the world who he's talking to. Is he talking on the phone? Is he texting? He doesn't want us to know. So he covers it all up, he just puts his dog out there. So Bill Belichick's dog, Nike, he is our Mask Off Performer of the Week. He's really the one, Pulling All the strings for the New England Patriots and congratulations Nike on a nice draft there his first draft puppy's first draft for the New England Patriots. He really did a good job traded back a couple times and he let his dad Bill Belichick just have a nice relaxing weekend as he went out and drafted uh, some new guys for the Patriots roster this year. So congratulations Nike for being our mask Off award winner this week. Congratulations Bill Belichick for having a very cute new puppy. It seems like he's jumping on on the trend of getting a puppy for quarantine. And nice one, Bill Belichick. April Fool's just passed a couple weeks ago, but nice one getting back at all of us who say that you're no fun and that you've got a heart full of ice. You got a little puppy to prove us wrong. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod. Tell a friend to listen to the show and give us a rating or review. Everybody, have a great night and don't forget to stay open.